0: And load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: And greetings. Welcome to The Blaze live and on demand. I am Steve Dace on location in Dallas. One more day. In fact, right after the show today, I got a jet to head home, catch a flight to Des Moines where you guys would trade weather with us here in the 35 degrees that has everybody here uh, sniffling. You trade that with us in a second. I'm going back home to single digits. In fact, I've actually got to jet out of here uh, a few minutes early today. Uh, So Todd and Aaron are going to finish the last 15 minutes of the show. This is what happens when you book all your own travel. I just happened to look at my phone, my boarding pass, getting out of the shower this morning, and realize that, oh, my plane leaves 30 minutes earlier than I thought this entire time. So I'm going to have to leave here a little bit earlier as well. Let's welcome Todd and Aaron into the program today. On location, back in our headquarters of Des Moines. Fellas, good to see you. How are you?
2: Doing well. How are things going, Steve? They are going very
1: well. We had a uh, we had uh, a screening of uh, the movie Unplanned uh, here last night in Dallas. That's actually why I came down, not just to be jealous of uh, Glenn Beck's uh, memorabilia uh, collection. I'm I've quite jealous of that already. But we had a screening of Unplanned down here last night, uh, the pro life movie that's coming out at the end of March, and we're going to be talking about that uh, next week for Pop Culture Tuesday, but uh, everybody that had a chance to see the movie came away very enthusiastic uh, about the opportunity it has uh, to, to be a huge weapon uh, for the pro-life cause. So that's something we'll be talking about uh, in the future. We'd love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. If you're uh, listening to us today on Blaze Radio or listening to us later on the podcast, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening to us on the podcast, if you could uh, have some time to leave us one of those five-star reviews, we would greatly appreciate that. The more of you that do that, the more opportunities we have to find more people like you. And thank you to all of you that have done so already. And, uh, fellas, you'll notice we've got an extra here with us today because we have the Dace Group Roundtable coming up here in just a matter of moments. Sarah Gonzalez from The Blaze is going to be our panelist here today. Sarah, it's good to see you.
3: Good to see you.
1: Hey, before we get started, um, I want to make sure we mention uh, a special commemoration uh, we're doing here at The Blaze this weekend, uh, the sudden tragic uh, passing of Doc Thompson. This is something that um, I've just seen so many people around the uh, building moved by because of just... Uh, just the connection that you guys have as a team here mm-hmm. uh, and the suddenness of, of this tragedy. And you guys are, we're going to honor him this weekend here at the Blaze. I want to make sure we mention this to our audience before we get going. And we make sure we get the word out about what's coming up this weekend.
3: Yeah, so we are going to have a Morning Blaze marathon this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Of course, the Morning Blaze was hosted by Doc Thompson for a number of years. Um, so we're going to have a marathon of just kind of the best of the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson um, just to, you know, give the viewers uh, something to remember him by.
1: And that's Blaze TV and Blaze Radio, right? Both? Yes, the entire yeah, should weekend. be, yes.
3: And on, on, uh, on television as well.
1: One of the cool things about uh, getting to work here is, is not just meeting uh, the people. And every time I come down here, I'm always impressed by just the, the connection you guys have together. And if, if I weren't so lazy, I'd, I'd do it more often. I just would rather be at home and not have to work I don't know anymore. why.
3: I mean, you should want to come here to the warmer weather.
1: I, I should. You know, this is my, I, I've said this for years, and the audience knows this. This is, Texas is my relocation mistress, all right? Has the central time zone I like, has the right three seasons, and no state income tax, right? So, You know what, though? I've lost that battle in my family, so I I, I don't see it happening anytime in the future. But one of the other cool things we get to do here uh, with the Blaze is support really great causes and worthy causes like Back to Jerusalem. Uh, And they are an organization that works with persecuted Christians in closed countries. Closed countries would be nations that don't want to let the hope and inspiration of the Word of God uh, into... Uh, into their country because they'd rather keep their people oppressed, and so the the mission of back to Jerusalem is to reach all the closed countries between Jerusalem uh, and China, uh, where they're located, and so that would include China, Iran, North Korea, etc. And one of the ways they do that is they find ways, to, unique ways. Uh, you know, smuggles not necessarily the nicest word. How about sneak? Uh, sneak uh, the Bible uh, past. Uh, the gatekeepers in these closed countries. And one of the ways they're doing it now is they have this, it's a pill-sized, for lack of a better description, a, a small Bible. Uh, and it's its the Bible. They didn't, like, rewrite it. All right? it's, it's Genesis to Revelation, as it was originally revealed to us. But this is a way to get this past the gatekeepers in these closed countries and to the people that need this hope the most. And they're asking for our help here today. At The Blaze, they want to send 10,000 of these into closed countries around the world, And all it costs each of us is $15, basically the price of uh, you and someone you care about uh, going to a a fast food lunch uh, today. And and if you want to help out with that, um, here's what we need to do. $15 to blazehelp.org. This is the website, blazehelp.org. That's blazehelp.org. Let's get to the day screw. Now, Sarah, I don't think you believed me when I told you yesterday we had just totally ripped this off in the (laughs) Goffin group. The music, graphics, everything. I think you thought I was exaggerating because I've been known to do that every now and then. I did. But I was watching. You're like, holy crap, you really did just rip this off. (laughs) I almost just
3: interrupted it to say, oh, my gosh, it is the exact same. He was right. But
1: but John, God bless him, he's dead now, so I don't think he'll mind. (laughs) Issue one. Yes, Virginia.
4: You suck. Behold, Virginia Democrats.
0: Recently, certain allegations have come to light about my inappropriate conduct.
1: I'm here to set the record straight. I totally did all of
4: it. We'll start with killing babies as they're being delivered on the part of Delegate Kathy
0: Tran. She's dilating. Uh,
3: Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that, the doctor, the physician, and the woman. I understand would make that. At that. I'm point. asking if
0: your bill allows that.
3: My bill would allow that. Yes.
4: Then Governor Northam advocating infanticide. If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mothers. Then Governor Northam having to deal with old college yearbook photos of him either dressing up in blackface or as a Klansman.
2: My belief that I did not wear that costume or attend that party
4: stems in part from my clear memory of other mistakes I made in the same period of my life. Does this make me a bad boy? You tell me. No, really, tell me. Then it was Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax who was the subject of allegations of sexual assault. His accuser has hired Christine Blasey Ford's law firm while he has retained the law firm that represented Brett Kavanaugh during that hullabaloo. Then there's the Attorney General who also dressed up in blackface decades ago for which there's also a picture. This story from the Babylon Bee perfectly sums everything up. God agrees to spare Virginia if just 10 Democrats who never wore blackface
2: can be found. I haven't seen that. I know. Nailed it. Nailed it. I just it. feel like I
1: shouldn't, I I feel like I can't, we're done. I I, I I. I don't know how the audience can be any more entertained for the next two hours the, than they are by that the story, B
4: headline. The story says that God found one person who hadn't dressed up in blackface, but he was accused of committing sexual assault, oh. so he doesn't count.
1: Oh, boy. All right, let's the get to it. strikes again. Yes, indeed. Uh, on a, it's where I want to work when I grow up, yes. On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, with 1 being as meaningless as Cory Booker's claims to have a girlfriend, and 10 being as cataclysmic—yes, that's how we roll here, Sarah— and 10 being as cataclysmic <laughs> as Cory Booker's grandstanding in the Senate, how damaging has this week's events in Virginia— been to the Democrat Party. Sarah, since you're the lady here, we'll get we'll let you go first. Go ahead.
3: Uh, well, I mean, I would like to clarify that by Democrats' own standards, this should be a ten. Right. But they are in this really unique spot where because they're the ones who dispense the social justice consequences, they can pick and choose who is touched by these new rules. And they've shown that if you are a loyal member of the Democratic Party, you get off Mm scot-free a la Bill Clinton, Keith Ellison. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel dressed up in blackface, Jimmy Fallon dressed up in blackface, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. And so because they're the ones who are behind this social justice, the Democrat Party, You know, they can ruin someone's life forever because of what they did decades ago. They get to control whose lives are ruined and who is banished into exile. So because these uh, lawmakers in Virginia have a D behind their names, I don't think they're going to see any consequences. I think it's probably going to be a two. I mean, I think the people of Virginia are going to be disappointed, but I don't think we're going to see anyone resign.
2: All right. What do you think, Todd? Sarah, man, nailed it. Stop stealing my thunder. I was feeling generous, so I'm giving him a, a two. Yeah, within the bubble, the pendulum, you know, has, has come back. Uh, Point Gryffindor, you know, Republicans get some uh, breathing room. But but that that's it. In reality, we, we saw the bags full of baby parts come I came out of freezers. all the way to Texas land of freedom and opportunity. And yet, all this cynicism remains. You're all fired here, person. (laughs) That's, man, well, Sarah led led off, man. I'm just hitting in the tool here. Um, We're in the soup uh, here. You can't fire me. Yes, I can't. No. Listen, I I wish I could say, it, but she's absolutely right about who gets to dispense uh, the, the 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 go sit in the corner points. What look at the, the the shamelessness of the Democrats, you know, trying to be interviewed about this kind of stuff, walking by on fake phone calls, <laughs> the press crickets. My my former colleague uh, at the Des Moines Register, Jason Noble, who I kid you not, when I and I called him on his bias one time, in, but in a in a conversational way he got so uh, irritated at me he got up picked up his computer his laptop walked away from me and said you're not my dad i i'm not kidding you he just took a job as the chief communications director for elizabeth warren a known liar and cultural appropriator you're making this that is up. what we're dealing with no i'm not it just happened He was the lead political reporter up until five years ago at the Registered, took some progressive gig with some other think tank, and now he's working for Elizabeth Warren. So, listen, that, Sarah nailed it. I'm just, I, I, I could have left it alone. Now I'm just having fun. Uh, but, listen, it's going to take somebody to stand. I mean, my goodness, today we were talking, uh, Aaron and I, before, I, uh, great. Uh, Cardinal Dolan took on uh, Mar- uh, Cuomo. Finally, a letter. At the end, He Dolan pantses himself by saying, don't hide behind labels. And, again, I kid you not. In quotes, don't hide behind the label, quote, Catholic. Are you kidding me, Bishop? You're calling your church a label? I mean, we're so bad at this, Steve. I'm being generous with the two.
1: Generous with the two. Aaron, where we go to our young millennial, where we always go for optimism, you have the floor. (laughs)
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm going with a one. I mean, I guess you could look at it from the standpoint of embarrassment. But when you're talking about actual consequences, I can't really add any more to what Sarah and Todd already said, because when they're the ones that set the rules and we always acquiesce to said rules, then they're never going to actually hold themselves to the standard they want to constantly try and hold us to on you know the right of center or, or what's left of America as is more accurate. And so I, I think it's it's definitely a, a one. Now, as far as embarrassment goes, this is a This is a 10 for for them. Uh, this has got to be a 10 for them. But as far as actual uh, consequences, people losing their jobs, things of that uh, nature, then it's definitely a one because they wanted They wanted this to happen. They wanted us to stop talking about infanticide. They wanted us to stop talking about murdering babies as they are being delivered. They wanted to get off of this. And then lo and behold, oh, everybody in our party in this state is racist and or has worn blackface and or has been accused of sexual assault, seemingly, or knows about it. And so they didn't anticipate this at all. Uh, it is, uh, what's the end of, uh, I think it's idiocracy. Oh, no, we suck again. That's That was what this last week was over and over again for Virginia Democrats. But at the end of the day, because we refuse, or because we always acquiesce and uh, do not refuse to play by their rules in other situations as well, meaning the left's rules, which is whatever, uh, you know, the rules today are not the same as they will be tomorrow or they were yesterday uh, because we keep playing by those rules, um, they're going. Uh, uh, th- th- nothing is going to happen of consequence coming out of this.
1: Well, elections can have can be a consequence, and, and I I could certainly see voters um, having something to say about this over the next couple of years. I mean, think of the awkwardness. Think of the awkwardness of, of you know, I, I think every Democratic presidential candidate demanded Northam resign. One of these guys or gals is going to be the nominee. You know, this is one of the key states. I mean, a Democrat is not going to win the White House in 2020 without Virginia. So, I mean, they're going to go there and campaign and raise arms with Ralph Northam. And, yeah, they have a built in just like Trump does. I mean, you know, Trump talks about, hey, I could go out on Fifth Avenue and murder somebody and, You know, as long as I say build a wall, my audience will cheer. Both tribes have their cults, okay? But there's a lot of voters that aren't interested in either one of these tribes or cults who freaking hate this crap. And you want, descending into self-parody where you're standing there, Kamala Harris is standing there raising arms, Cory Booker raising arms with a a guy he called a racist. I, I think there could be some consequences for that down the road, but we shall see. If the ultimate exit question, if the ultimate conclusion of this story were a Stone Temple pilot song, which Stone Temple pilot song would it be? A, Big Empty, B, Dead and Bloated, C, Creep, D, Interstate Love
4: Song, Aaron? Um, oh man, it's either B or C. I'm going to go with B. Dead and Bloated. Todd? Yep.
2: A, hey, Big Empty.
4: Big Empty.
1: Sarah?
3: Uh, I was also going to say B, dead and bloated.
1: All right, dead and bloated. All right, let's get to issue two, the State of the Union.
4: The State of the Union address this week was like a weird piece of postmodern art. It was whatever you needed it to be and changed depending on your perspective.
5: In contrast yeah. to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child, than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments from birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies who will never get the chance to share their love and their dreams with the world. And then we had the case of the governor of Virginia where he stated he would execute a baby after birth. To defend the dignity of every person, I am asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb. Tonight, we are also joined by Pittsburgh survivor, Judah Samet. He arrived at the synagogue as the massacre began. But not only did Judah narrowly escape death last fall, more than seven decades ago, he narrowly survived the Nazi concentration camps. Judah says he can still remember the exact moment nearly 75 years ago, after 10 months in a concentration camp when he and his family were put on a train and told they were going to another camp. Suddenly, the train screeched to a very strong halt. A soldier appeared. Judah's family braced for the absolute worst. Then his father cried out with joy, it's the Americans, it's the Americans.
1: My right, first question on a scale of one to 10, with one being as meaningless as Cory Booker's claims to have a girlfriend, and 10 being as cataclysmic as Cory Booker's grandstanding in the Senate. What are the chances this could be the rare State of the Union speech that sticks and makes an impact beyond the five minutes after it's finished? Todd, I'll start with you.
2: Um, again, feeling generous, so a two. Listen, D- <laughs> Donald Trump suffers, I think. From the fact uh, that that many of us do actually, Here's, this is an everyman problem. It, it, it's it's really hard to see outside yourself at the way others see you sometimes. And he he needs to do that because I, I think he's around that place and he sees uh, the same kinds of clowns he probably felt he was seeing in um, in Manhattan, um, but but the optics are just different now the eyes that are on him are just different now mm-hmm. and until he realizes that he's not going to be able to get away with the same things the same way he did in the past i i, I this, all this was a speech on a teleprompter until proven otherwise and he hasn't shown an ability to be able to navigate this game any Better or worse than any other put name your uh, average Republican. Uh, it, it, it It's a fool's errand to rely on any one speech. And listen, I, I, I write for a living. I love oratory. Oratory's capacity to move hearts and minds is often second to none. Uh, Stephen, you and I were just talking uh, before the show uh, via email about the capacity to do so through a, a column on a different matter. But the does, no one should be betting it all on black at Vegas that this is the speech that makes the earth shake. We need action to follow it and right quick. Sarah, what do you think?
3: Uh, I mean, I would agree that when it comes to Washington, I think that, you know, I'd give it a one. I'd give it a zero if I could, um, because I'm convinced that there's absolutely nothing on this earth that uh, the president could do that would convince Democrats to work with him on anything. Um, I think if, you know, God himself came down and warned of, you know, the rapture in unless they work with President Trump on something, they still wouldn't do it. Um, yep. So even though this is, I think, the most impactful speech that he has made as president thus far, um, I think it will be largely ignored by the opposition. however, however. Um, I think that when it comes to the American people, if he can follow through on what he's saying, I think initially I would say the American people, it's going to stick with them. On that aspect, I would give it a 7.5 because I think that President Trump effectively highlighted how radical the left has gotten and just how despicable their policies are. And, you know, for all the, the Democrats talk about common sense, you know, you hear common sense solutions. Mm-hmm. The president actually gave us real common sense solutions here. So, you know, he's saying, hey, the Democrats are advocating for killing innocent babies outside the mother's womb. Let's put a stop to that. What do you say? Doesn't that sound like common sense? Hey, child uh, sex trafficking is bad and we should all stand up against it. Don't you think that's common sense? Hey, we need to do something to, you know, protect against illegal drugs being smuggled and pouring into our country. Don't you think that probably should stop? I mean, these were not radical proposals that he was laying out, but these were things that the average American could look at and say, yeah, you know what? That's wrong. And I agree that we should put a stop to it. And maybe we can get caught up in the nuances of how that happens. But I do think that, you know, he was able to effectively say this is how extreme the Democrats have gotten. I'm just saying, let's come back to reasonable. Let, mm-hmm. Let's come back to logic and reason. And I think that that is going to stick with the American people. Now, whether or not he follows up with actual you know, action is yet to be seen. But if he does, I mean, I think it, it, it would do a world of wonder for him because this is going to stick with the American people.
1: I want to I come back to the theme of following up with action that you and Todd both addressed. But let's get Aaron's thoughts first. Go ahead, Aaron.
4: Yeah, as far as sticking goes, that, that that's very difficult to to say, but I think it has the chance, uh, and I'll give you just the high end, I think it has a chance to be an 8 or a 9. Uh, I said at the beginning in the intro um, that this is like a, a weird piece of postmodern art, because you look at those really weird pieces of art that come out uh, of of, I don't know, from... Artists and painters, just what are they trying to say? And people, you know, they, you know, they look at it really closely. What do you think he's saying? What do you think? Well, that's the way this speech is. When you have a moment, really, in any state of the union or just a political moment, um, it just depends on how you look at the speech. Um, Todd and Sarah are absolutely right. As far as action goes, this is a a one because there's nothing really he can do short of declaring a national emergency specifically for the border wall um, that the Democrats are going to do to work with him on any actionable item like the wall. So as far as actual, um, you know, action goes and consequ- real concrete uh, consequences, it's, it's a one. But as far as sticking with the American people, and this is, I think, how it may relate to our first issue uh, this afternoon, uh, talking about Virginia Democrats, you'll look at some of the anecdotal and some of the polling that came out after the speech uh, that President Trump gave very, very favorable response from the people who watched it. And that's good because when you look again at the coalition that Trump built over three or four states in order to deliver him a very, very narrow election win in 2016, these types of moments, if he can sustain that type of gravitas Mm -hmm. uh, from the bully pulpit, those types of moments actually can have bigger reverberations, even if they're not followed up with something that is huge, like a border wall, they can have, although that is, that needs to happen in Order for him to keep his base together. But just having a president in office that you're at least proud of and don't hate yep. getting up at five o'clock in the morning That's and sitting exactly on the right. throne yep. and Bieber, tweet, uh, Bieber tweeting fever, yep. I think we need to start looking at some of these moments in a little bit bigger light. Yes, they may not have any huge consequences right away, but when you look at the margin of victory for Trump and if he wants to try to put that together uh, again at the very least or have a national mandate at best, which you talked about last week, these types of moments actually can have bigger impacts down the road than they will immediately.
1: That's right on the money. I think you're right on the money with that, Aaron. I think um, the, you know, 70% of presidents in American history that have run for re-election have been re-elected. Uh, since we went to the modern two-party system uh, after the Civil War, after Reconstruction, only one American president has been reelected by uh, by shrinking his base from his original election. Uh, and that wasn't in wartime. I mean, obviously we wouldn't count World War II and World War I when, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of registered voters are in a foreign country or foreign countries. Uh, and that was Barack Obama. Now, Barack Obama had some room to spare because of the size of coalition he had built in 2008. 2008. And so even with all the people that he disappointed that hope and— uh, change didn't quite mean uh, what they thought it meant. Uh, he still had enough cushioning there and margin from the previous election. Trump does not. I mean, when you when the three states that gave you the electoral college, you won them by a combined 77,714 votes. You don't have that kind of margin. He he can only be reelected by expanding his base, and he cannot expand his base with a trollathon. Everybody that wants to just uh, you know own the libs. Everybody wants to do the click-servative thing and lock her up and I alone can solve and, you know, all the stuff we saw work in 2016 because of how ridiculous of a candidate Hillary Clinton was. He has all those voters already, but now he's less popular than he was four years ago. He needs to build—this is what Aaron is addressing, I believe. I keep talking about it. He's got to build the respect and stature of his presidency. He's still not a credible president to many Americans, including many Americans who would be predisposed to vote for him, given the contrast that the left is currently offering. And the target audience is those people, particularly suburban women make up a lot of those people. And I think this is a speech they absolutely would identify with. He's got numerous moments the rest of this year, the commemorations of D-Day, Pearl Harbor, etc., numerous opportunities to be the president and command the bully pulpit with it, with, with words just like this. Let the Democrats feast on their own. You'll have plenty of time to troll them and do the combat you want all of next year. But this year, those are the themes I think he needs to strike in order to build up the stature uh, and respectability of his presidency. Let's get to the exit question. If the real state of our union, not what's on Twitter or the media, but where real people live. If the real state of our union were a Stone Temple Pilot song, which Stone Temple Pilot song would it be? A, Big Empty. B, Dead and Bloated. C, Creep. D, Interstate Love Song. Todd. Quickly. Creep. Creep. Sarah.
3: I hate to be uh, repetitive, but constitutional principles are dead and the government is bloated. <laughs>
1: that's pretty good, actually. Aaron, go ahead. What Sarah said. Yeah, I, I don't know we'll come up with a better answer than that. <laughs> Indeed. I, I, I just I want to stress that I think people want their president to be an inspirational figure. And that's true whether there is an R or D after their name. And that's something that outside of the people who just want to troll the system and like his particular brand of tweeting, this is a status something this president has never really done. Uh, And and he has a chance to do that now, particularly because the left is vacating all of that space. Uh, They have they, they are and they're openly saying now we want to end Americana. They're being open about it. And so there's plenty of that space that he can now go in there and occupy when we come back. Is there something deeper about the hatred, uh, the hatred of the New England Patriots? We need to talk about. We'll do that and more next here on the Blaze.
0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> It's about convictions, not positions. Steve Dace.
1: Hey, if you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, realestateagentsitrust.com is a company you need to take a look at. Glenn Beck and uh, some of his friends started this a few years ago because they were frustrated by real estate agents that talked a good game but didn't deliver when you needed to get the job done. If you have ever bought and sold a home or bought and sold or sold a home, one of the most stressful things you ever will do uh, one of the most stressful times in my life, selling on one end, buying on another. And I had a really good agent uh, who's still a friend of mine. I, I can't imagine what it would be like if you had an agent who couldn't deliver the goods. And what separates real estate agents I trust, uh, you know, apart from other sort of referral services, is those are really lined up in order to get the agent new customers. This one is about empowering you, the customer, to find the right agent. And it's not, you know, nothing is foolproof, you know, uh, east of Eden, but it's a pretty good start. Uh, to getting there. When someone openly volunteers to say, yes, vet me, yes, scrutinize me, I want to be transparent here, uh, I'm open to accountability. And that's one of the reasons why you can trust realestateagentsitrust.com. Buy or sell a home for fast and for the right price with the team at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's com. All right, back to the day's Group. Sarah Gonzalez from The Blaze here is our special panelist. She's here next to me uh, down in Dallas. Todd and Aaron remain hunkered down back in Des Moines. Let's get to issue three, Patriot Hate.
4: If you've followed this show long enough, you'll know that I am a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan. But for the interest of professionalism and staying on topic, I'll put aside my fandom of the Chiefs and talk about the greatness that is the New England Patriots. But first... Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes had over 5000 yards passing, 50 touchdowns, and during his two games against the Patriots had scored 71 points, had seven touchdown passes, 31 points in the second half of each game, and he had the lead with 6 minutes left in both games. Good riddance, Bob Sutton, and if D Ford hadn't lined up offsides, we probably could have been spared that atrocity that was the Super Bowl. But anywho, the Patriots are really good. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady are the best. Without question, quarterback, head coach tandem, this planet will probably ever know. But there's a meme going around by many conservatives that people hate the Patriots just because they're great. Just 98 million people watched the Patriots win their sixth title, but a lot of that poor number probably had to do with the game itself. But if you're a fan of the NFL, you're probably aware anecdotally that there's this at least subtle, contempt for the Patriots. But the question is, is that due to fatigue and boredom with the Patriots, or do you just hate greatness? So 98
1: million people watch the Super Bowl, that's a lot. That'll be the most-watched television event of the year. But the uh, over-under in Vegas for viewership was 106 million, because that's been the average the last few years. So, I mean, 8 million people, uh, that's quite a decline. Uh, The hatred for the Patriots. You know, this is something Kurt Schilling and I have talked about uh, a little bit on our show. We talk sports here on The Blaze. And Kurt is convinced, you know, he, and he comes out of the era, you know, where he was with the Diamondbacks when they slayed the Yankees and everybody hated the Yankees and the Red Sox buying every team in free agency back then. And then he went to the Red Sox and was part of that, you know, axis of evil. Uh, and they won two World Series while he was there. So he kind of has an interesting perspective on both sides of this. And he, he absolutely believes that the hatred of the Patriots goes beyond the typical we're, we're just tired of watching the same teams win that we have seen in sports for years, but speaks something more generally about where we are with culture, the culture, and we don't want to celebrate long-standing success, but we resent it now instead. So that's the question for the panel. Is this just typical, I'm sick of the, the same team winning all the time, I've got Alabama fatigue, I've got Yankee fatigue, I've got Red Sox fatigue. All right. Or is it something else? Sarah, let me start with you. What do you think?
3: Uh, I mean, I will say, uh, first of all, you did not include the reason that the Patriots uh, represent white supremacy, which I'm very disappointed (laughs) in. Because you should know that the Patriots represent white supremacy. But uh, in all seriousness, and I just want to be clear that I married into uh, the Alabama fandom. My husband went The first Jewish
1: MVP of a Super Bowl. Uh, is yes. represents white supremacy. Yeah. Yes, I you. mean, yeah.
3: obviously, because yes. the Daily Beast says so. Yes. Uh, but so I, I am now in the Alabama fandom and, you know, I, I see everyone, all of the hatred because Alabama wins all the time. I don't think that that's necessarily what it is with the Patriots. I think that maybe there's a component to that because people are tired of them winning. But when you look at the Patriots and you look at Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they're not likable people. I mean, you look at, I mean, Tom Brady, the way that him and Giselle got together, everyone's like, oh, they're such a cute couple. But then there was the, you know, the the uh, issue with him having Bridget Monahan and the other kid and then leaving her and getting with Giselle. And then uh, he just is not likable when he speaks. You've got Deflate Deflategate uh, with Bill Belichick. You've got Spygate. I mean, they've got all of these, these controversies surrounding them that just to me makes them not likable. And so for me, I know, I mean, Tom Brady, he's got to be the greatest quarterback of all time, but I don't like him and I don't want him to win because I see him doing these things and I see Deflate Gate, and I see him. And it's like in society, you want people to be accountable for their actions. Mm-hmm. And it seems like these two guys are not ever accountable for their actions and they just keep winning and getting rewarded for bad behavior. And I think that that is part of it. Um, I would say that that's most of it, at least for me, is that I don't want to see people who are acting badly and then get rewarded for it.
2: Erzin, what do you think? Uh... I don't think the points that Sarah makes just resonate beyond – I mean, I get why they sit inside here because some of them sit inside me. But with most – the NFL and college football, they're so full of reprobates and people just want to watch their football. I really don't think they're too concerned about that. I think this is your standard issue fan jealousy mm-hmm. uh, for, for the most part. If I want to get a little bit more cosmic, though, I would say this. There's just it. it – there is the curse of the um, the goat with the Chicago Cubs and the curse of the Bambino with the Red Sox here what fans have a sense of what should have been go back 11 years 2008 it should have been the curse of the catch david tyree losing that game to the giants they lose the next one to the giants and if you really look at it they should have the last six super bowls they have been in they should have lost seattle on the goal line hand off the ball right they lose again falcons up by 28 28 points De- decent coaching. They should lose again. They lost to the Eagles. The Rams. Literally, I, mean, the I just heard, heard yesterday the
1: ball off five more times. I know. In the second half, I know. for even no yards, the amount of time they would have ran off the clock, they would have won the game. Yes.
2: And then a team that what scored over fifty points in this season, the Rams, turns into this team that only can score three points. And Steve, I did you hear the on-field audio of the pre-game conversation between? Sean McVay and Belichick? I did not, know. To- total dude code violation. Oh, no. I mean, it, he was not he, fluffing the Super Bowl? Oh, he was totally fluffing him. I mean, uh. it's one thing to say, Coach, I really admire you. He was like a little schoolboy. Coach, oh, oh you're the best ever. You. He so you was at totally— Remember that
1: time he did Let It Be? That was great. <laughs> did he do that?
2: Oh, It was awful. You got to listen to it, Steve, and your T-level will just— Plummet. Um, uh, I it's mean, Lindsey Graham, they should. John? He went Lindsey Graham on John Yes, Is that what you're telling you, me? Uh. So they should they should have lost the last, last six Super Bowls. Th- this should have been uh, trumping the Buffalo Bills, but they didn't. And that's just somehow on a cosmic level inside of people and it bugs them.
1: Well, that explains why McVay seemed really eager to point out that he was outcoached in the game. You know, like he really, so, he, he really seemed eager to say, yeah, I was like totally outcoached, man. Yeah, that guy's great. I mean
2: it. I thought that was you gotta. Hilarious. I'm not even doing it justice, man. You gotta listen to it. It's so disappointing.
4: All right, Aaron, you get the last word. Go ahead. I really hate this notion that people just hate the Patriots because they're great. I mean, we talk about a couple of things all the time, one of which is sports, specifically football. It needs to be one of the bastions, and it is one of the final remaining bastions of just triviality, where Americans of all stripes can come together and just enjoy something together. Mm -hmm. And you know what fan is short for? It's short for fanatic. Um, the reason why I don't like the Patriots yet I have no problem admitting how great they are is because I'm a chiefs fan I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl every year now I don't see why it's so difficult why is it th- why can't the tr- I, I, another thing we talk about why can't the truth just be its own reward why do I have to affirm that everything about the Patriots is great all the time no I just let let the record speak for itself. It's a great record. They've won six titles uh, now, and Tom Brady and Bill Pelichick are great. Why isn't that good enough for you? Instead, you're expecting me to affirm that the Patriots are great and that it's un-American to, uh, to, 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 uh, to hate them. I just, no. Just let fanatics be fanatics. I'm looking at this from the bigger picture. Hate them, love them. I get that if you're an ambivalent uh, observer... You can say the patriots are the greatest ever, and that's fine, or you can hate them, and that's fine. I don't think we should be trying to find any deeper meaning behind the hatred or irrational or otherwise of the Patriots because this is something that we should just have fun being trivial about. I only have an irrational hatred of two teams. That's the Wisconsin Badgers and the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I can't tell you why I hate both of those teams irrationally, but you know what? I, you know why I'm fine with that and why otherwise when I, when I'm not you you know, about distracting you from about the main you're at right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know why I'm fine with that is because I'm a fanatic of the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Kansas city chiefs. I don't care either one way or the other. I prayed about it, and I feel real good about it, so I'm fine with my irrational hatred of both of those teams. Me just too. This, <laughs> low, this, this, uh, this bigger notion that there is something deeper and that we're being uh, ant, you know anti-American or it's not conservative to hate people because they're great. Guys, we're talking about sports, something that should be trivial. I think this whole thing, this whole trope, is just a whole lot of bunk, and I don't like it.
1: Exit question. Did we just see the last Super Bowl Tom Brady will win? Sarah?
3: No, he's going to be winning Super Bowls until he's 80. <laughs> I'm convinced. He's going to be
1: out there prop me up beside the jukebox. Weekend at Bernie's, is weekend at Brady's. Uh, what do you think, Todd?
4: Yes. Yes. All right, Aaron, what do you think? I'm going to say no until he retires. Mm-hmm. All right. Issue four. She really is Focahontas. Elizabeth Warren's DNA was back in the spotlight this week. The Washington Post released a state bar of Texas registration card from 1977 for one Elizabeth Warren, wherein she identifies herself as American
3: Indian. Could there be other documents out there with you self-identifying as American Indian? So
2: all I know is during this time period, uh, this is consistent with what I did because it was based on my understanding from my family's stories. But family stories are not the same as tribal citizenship. And this is why I
3: have apologized both to Chief Baker, who was very gracious about it, and have apologized. But, but Senator, this most recent incident just came out yesterday. Have you spoken with him, um, with Chief Baker, since this new incident was released? and? Have have you heard from any Native American tribes or groups today since that information came out yesterday? So I haven't spoken with anyone since I saw this
2: information, no. But my apology is an apology for not having been more sensitive about tribal citizenship and tribal sovereignty.
4: Warren had previously released a DNA test which found she is indeed one in 1,024th Native American heritage. So this whole thing has been completely blown out of proportion. All right, let's go
1: around the room quickly on this one. On a scale of one to ten, with one being as meaningless as Cory Booker's claims to have a girlfriend, and ten being as cataclysmic as Cory Booker's grandstanding in the Senate. How damaged do you think Elizabeth Warren's presidential aspirations are now, Sarah?
3: Uh, I would say a nine. I think that she was toast just before this latest story came out. The the, the DNA results proving that she was a one in 1024th Native American, making her whiter than white. I think that was the <laughs> nail in the coffin for her. Uh, but, you know, she the way that she's handled this and her whole I'm going to get me a beer, you know, trying to be relatable. She's done. I'm sorry to say Focahontas, but those high cheekbones are just not going to cut it. Bye bye. Todd.
2: It's a 10, but only because there's like six other women running. If she was the only woman running, I'd say one. Is she capable of speaking
1: as if she is not in the middle of a bowel moment? Aaron, <laughs> your thoughts.
4: Uh. Um,
1: no, seriously, don't you just feel what, as what? if she's like on the can talking to you every yeah. time? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: I, I tried, <laughs> yes. Every time she looks, she looks like the grandma you need to take the car keys from and just put a shawl around. That's she's what she the, looks she's, like. She's the
1: mom that when she starts to lecture, you say, "Hey, can Dad just beat me instead?" Because <laughs> yeah. that'll be
2: quicker than this.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry, Aaron. Go. ahead. Oh my! I was going to ask for more specifics to your posits, but I don't. No. I don't want I don't think I can say some of these words on live broadcast uh, it's definitely a 10 and it was a 10 before this latest story came out because of i think what sarah mentioned about the going to get me a beer and um hello fortnite how are you uh on her you know live stream or whatever uh so it's a 10 and Todd, uh, todd's point i actually hadn't even thought about too like if she was the only woman of course of course she would she, She'd be a uh, conservative's so my, those my, would be my the, exit Those would be the uh, headlines today.
1: My exit question, who lasts longer, Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, is it irrelevant then? You guys are telling me? It, it, yeah. yeah. Much well, yeah. Okay.
2: It's obvious, but listen, Kamala Harris, however we're pronouncing it, and I, I do ultimately want to get it right. But listen, <laughs> you got to give credit where credit's due. Listen, that girl will cut you. She, she is tough. Yeah. She is really tough. And she'll, she'll just tell you, you're damn right I ordered the code red. She is a woman that's going to have to be dealt with on the left. If you
1: want to know who Kamala Harris is, go watch the really bad Independence Day sequel from a couple of years ago. And the uh, female president character who gets all of Earth blown up. That's who <laughs> Kamala Harris is. Uh, let's get to our predictions uh, is that an uh, endorsement <laughs> well uh, some of those you know some of those people it was just their time Todd uh, your thoughts on your prediction for this week
2: well I know you're going Avengers I am too based on the Super Bowl trailer uh, I I was totally right on my prediction that this Tony Stark narrative is he's gonna end where he begins on a, uh, a castaway with just his wits upon him there's that Image of him at the Forge once again. Um, But uh, I kind of am inspired by that. Here's my new prediction based on that. I thought he was definitely going to die. I think he's going to survive all this. All right, Aaron, your prediction.
4: Well, just because it feels like we're being cosmically trolled over and over again every day of the week uh, for the last couple of weeks, I will predict that before this whole hullabaloo in Virginia is over with, Kathy Tran will be governor of that state. (laughs)
1: Uh, I'm sorry Sarah your prediction Uh,
3: I'm going to go the Avengers also because I'm really pumped for the movie and I'm going to say that uh, in this new one uh, not only well I'll let you get to yours but I will say that uh, I think that Captain Captain America I think he's going to sacrifice himself and I think he's going to be a goner
1: yeah, I think if you if you piece together the Spider-Man, this is my prediction, if you piece together the Spider-Man trailer, mm-hmm. and they're saying it takes place literally minutes after uh, Avengers Endgame ends, uh, and if you go back to when we first see Spider-Man in Avengers Infinity War, you see him on a bus. Uh, and I think what you're going to see is that um, if you look at the condition of the Earth in the brief Super Bowl commercial, and you line it up post-snap, and then you line it up uh, with where things are at in the Spider-Man movie where it just seems as if nothing happened. There are no wastelands, no ruins. And we know how Marvel is stickler for continuity. Uh, I mean, they even had the city in in Avengers Age of Ultron. They lifted it off the ground so they wouldn't repeat the mistake that Batman versus... uh, or that uh, the Man of Steel movie made where Zod and Superman just laid waste to the entire city of Metropolis, all right? So I don't believe that they're just making these mad continuity errors. I think what you're going to see... They're going to totally undo Thanos' snap. Uh, things will go back to the way they were before. I think, I think we could very well on Spider-Man Homecoming, could, the opening scene could be they're on the bus, just like we saw in, uh, in Infinity War. They're going to go, because that was the moment when the ship appears in the sky. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be able to undo everything that Thanos did and reset where things were before. But the cost of doing that, you know, just like it was a great sacrifice for Thanos... To accomplish his endgame, mm-hmm. there will be a great cost for the Avengers to undo it, and it will be one or two Captain America and or um, uh, Iron Man will, will mm-hmm. die in order to, to accomplish the resetting of where things were prior to Thanos' arrival. Sarah, it was a pleasure having you with us. I hope you had some fun.
3: Yeah, I did. Thanks for having me, and uh, it was good having you here in Dallas.
1: It was. Thank you. Hey, guys, real quick, scale of 1 to 10. Uh, one being as meaningless as Cory Booker's claims to have a girlfriend. Ten being as cataclysmic as Cory Booker's grandstanding. Rate Sarah's performance here today. <laughs>
2: ten. Ten. Bravo. Yeah. Well, yes. Thanks, You're Sarah. Right. Two.
1: You're, two for two. You. You are right up there, Sarah. You're right up there, or maybe down there, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, with uh, with Cory Booker, you should be very, very proud.
3: Oh, uh, yay! <laughs> Thank you. That's the greatest compliment That's the correct response. You remind
1: me of Cory Booker. Wow.
3: Ah. Uh, So I was underwhelming is what you're saying. uh, You know what? (laughs) It's like
1: postmodern art. It's whatever you want it to be. It's whatever you want it to be. Seriously, thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. Thank you. Sarah's going to say goodbye, but we are coming back. One more hour to go. Feedback Friday and a truth bomb coming your way next, right here, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned.
0: You're listening to Steve Dace. On The Blaze Radio Network. Don't blame us. He went to public school. This is Steve Dace. All right, we are
1: back with Hour 2 here live and On Demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Thanks for sticking around. One more hour to go before I head home from uh, Dallas back to Des Moines. In fact, I'm going to head out a little early because uh, I decided to take care of the travel arrangements for this trip on short notice myself and realized uh, this morning before I came over to the studio, uh uh-oh, my flight leaves 30 minutes before I thought. So Todd and Aaron... Uh, They'll take you home during uh, the final stanza here uh, about the last 15 minutes of the program. They're back there standing by in Des Moines. And hour two of today's show here on The Blaze brought to you by our friends at home title lock homeowners. Beware a data breach just exposed 24 million of us to title fraud, a crime that could cost any one of us our home. If you have a mortgage refi, HELOC through a major bank. This breach may have put any of us at risk of losing every dollar of equity that we've built up into our homes, maybe even the home itself, because this is a data breach that gives scammers everything they need to steal your home's title. They can forge your signature from that point on as the seller, refile your home under a new name, take out loans on your home, and then stick you with the payments, and maybe you won't find out until it's too late. The late notices arrive, an eviction order, etc. Your bank doesn't protect you, neither does identity theft programs, but for pennies a day, home title lock does. Check now to see if you're already a victim. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register for your free title scan and report. That's a $100 value, free to our family here today at The Blaze. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, gentlemen, let's get to today's truth bomb before we get to some feedback Friday. Uh, and this is my attempt to have an excuse each and every day to promote my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise uh, endorsed by Glenn Beck, Ben Shapiro, Mark Levin, uh, Matt Walsh, basically people more popular than me. That's why I needed their endorsements, but you should read the book on their recommendation. Nonetheless, plus my kids, they're thinking Disney for Christmas and that's where you come in. So you can get your copy at bookstores everywhere, but uh, also right now at amazon.com. And if you have a copy of the book and you like it, leave us a five-star review there at amazon.com. And thank you to all of you that have already done. So guys, I want to make this short and sweet. Okay. Um, I, I, I know we had a story yesterday of another uh, Democrat uh, committee uh, chairman uh, in the House of Representatives kicking God uh, out of uh, out of the oath there. Can I just say I'm totally okay with it, and here's why. No BS. I mean, this is the year of no BS, right? That's what we declared 2019, the year of no BS. I, I would just assume everybody just keeps it real, you know? I mean, I, I, I just don't sit there and take an oath uh, and, and then proceed to follow down the road of policies and principles that are totally antithetical to it. You know, I, I, frankly, I have more respect for a Democrat who says they don't want to you know, acknowledge the God they don't worship, believe in, or fear. Um, I, I have more respect for that than I do for the Republicans who, you know, I think after the 2010 and 2014 midterms, They opened up after they got congressional majorities and they opened up uh, the session by uh, uh, reading the Constitution from preamble uh, to the final amendment verbatim out loud. And then proceeded, of course, not to really do a damn thing, uh, you know, uh, about defending or preserving any of those words. Give me the honest enemy over the half-assed ally every single time. So I just assume we all take off the camouflage. I just assume we all stop pretending. And let's just bring it all out in the open and, and have an honest and fair fight. So I am not offended in the least at God-hating Democrats saying that they don't want an oath about fearing the God they hate. Instead, I appreciate their honesty. I think it frankly makes my job easier. And I've got far more disdain for the people who wear my uniform and then do a really good job of scoring own goals. You know, like John Roberts did last night at the U S Supreme court inciting with the left, with the baby killers uh, against the state of Louisiana. I, you know what? Give me, at least I know where that God hating Democrats coming from where I got to do the Harvey two face coin flip, On a given day to see which side of the bed John Roberts woke up up on in the morning. Hell to the no. Give me this somebody who says, I love hell. I got a chance to defeat them as opposed to the person who wears my uniform and then stabs me in the back. I can see the gun pointed at my chest, men. It's hard to see the knife poised at my back. Your thoughts?
2: Oh, man. Amen. Uh, going back to what I was talking about earlier on the uh, show today with my former Des Moines Register colleague, uh, who now works uh, for uh, S- uh, Senator Warren's presidential campaign. That's twelve years at the Register. I I spent most of my time just tr- trying to get my colleagues to just admit it. Just to yeah, hey, let's see. We're both sitting here in the same room. I know this game you're pulling on everybody else, but here you're not. You'll never get to do it on me. Just. Be honest with me. Tell me who you are. And it drove them nuts. So, yes, uh, never, ever be afraid to have your enemy tell you who you really are. That is actually a weapon in your hands.
4: Yes. And what good is it? I mean, what, what is the thinking behind, well, we still need to keep the oath, uh, you know, take an oath to God on the Bible. Why do we need to keep that in there? What is the thinking behind that? And I think... I'll be charitable, and I think most people would say, well, it's a reflection of our founding values. Well, um, when it's being taken by a person who wants to reject all of our founding values Mm -hmm. in this country and where they come from, there is no value to that at all. In fact, it's everything that you just said it was. It is really, really just as it's, you know, um, what uh, what business uh, is it? Uh, It's what the the left says. What business is it of yours? What goes on in a person's bed in the privacy of their own home? Well, it's really hard to avoid that and not make it your business when your nose is being shoved in their bed constantly uh, like it has been. Uh, It's really, really hard to fight the left when you're trying to remove the knife from your back constantly. And I think that's what you're articulating, mm. and it's a, good, it's a pretty good case. And yes it's, yes, it's depressing that we're having this conversation because it does actually illustrate how far our culture and our country has fallen from those aforementioned founding values. But no BS. Let's just be honest. Uh, I think we'll be faster getting back to those yep. if we're all just honest about it everything
1: yes everything you guys said amen if you've read truth bombs there's an entire entire chapter that explains why john roberts knifed you in the back last night you wouldn't be shocked um and if you haven't read truth bombs and you're like i can't believe i don't steve this can't be true uh i've got the story linked right on our facebook wall you can go there right now just go to facebook like our page steve dace d-e-a-c-e it's right there near the top of the page this was done last night well, Steve, how come I'm finding out about this in, uh, in the New York Times? How come I'm not reading it? How come my local pro-life organization didn't send me an alert saying, hey, we got to, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's why I got to read Truth Bombs, okay? Yeah, there's a, there's a reason why, you know, your email inbox is not, is not uh, littered this morning with uh, National Right to Life demanding John Roberts, uh, you know, come clean and reverse himself. There, there are reasons, okay? So you need to read the book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe, to our own demise. All right, let's get to it. This week's edition of Feedback Friday, we close out every week by taking a look at what's in our inbox, how you guys have responded to our responses to you. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. This first one comes from Sabrina, which is a great name and should be used more often. Steve and company, can you guys please explain to me how Native Americans can be so upset and offended by Elizabeth Warren identifying as a Cherokee, but we women are not supposed to be upset or offended by Bruce Jenner identifying as a woman. Neither are true hypocrisy much. How would we respond to that?
4: Well, if that's an open-ended question, I would respond this way. Um you're a bigot. That's that's basically that's basically the response. You're a bigot and and um you've been Impacted and taken over by the patriarchy, which is why you're even daring to ask such questions, which might reflect a spirit or a brain that thinks for itself. And you should really go and, and think about what you've done now for the cause of, of women's rights and uh, don't even ask any more questions. Uh, thank you. Next.
2: That is basically I... the
1: answer, isn't it, Todd? I mean, that is the answer. Oh,
2: I I, I don't. I can't say anything to improve upon that. I would just get in the way, uh, Aaron's. I just second it. You're a bigot.
1: You know, I, I was mentioning this to uh, some folks I was at dinner with last night, uh, and one of the. And I think I've talked about this on this show before. There, there are two reasons why um, I did uh, so many appearances as the token Republican on MSNBC during the 2012 election. And one of them is just pure, unadulterated self-promotion. Again, the year of no BS. I needed the exposure. Um, The other reason, though, is my own intellectual curiosity. That I I had spent so much time... You know, my wife and I first started dating. She went out and bought Rush Limbaugh's first two books, you know, just to kind of get to know me a little bit better and the stuff that I was interested in. I, I had spent so much time... In the conservative media bubble. I mean, I I watched Fox every night after work, man, stem to stern, okay? Uh, Unless like friends or something was on, but uh, then I'd watch replays. I mean, I was in, all in. And I would look at the arguments for the other side's positions on these issues. And I'd be like, these suck. There's got, to be, there's got to be more to it than I, I just want to be able to do this behavior and so I'm going to reverse engineer any outcome, bastardize any philosophy, um, take out of context any, any ideology I possibly can to justify the outcome I want. I, I'm like, it, can't, it cannot be this simple. It can't be. There, there have to be. Reasons, we, we just don't know, we're in our own bubble, we don't see it, and there's got to be some, I, I, I maybe wouldn't agree with them, but there's got to be some logical conclusions for why we're going to these places. And so I was, I was interested also in the back and forth and the battle. And since I knew I would be the token conservative on a lot of these panels, I knew I'd often speak last, unless a Republican embarrassed himself and then I'd be asked to speak first. <laughs> but I knew, I, I knew I'd often be asked to speak last, and so I'd get a great opportunity just to sit there and listen. And I got to tell you, folks, after a year of this, you know what I found? There's even fewer logical rationales and conclusions for why they believe these things than I thought there was going in. It It really is as... And that really is what, is what convicted me to, to focus even more on worldview. And as now, now the worldview, um, their worldview premises are now being advanced and communicated with the religious zeal, I, I now think that compels us to respond more theologically inclined in kind as well. And there really isn't anything more other than, I will be like the Most High.
4: Todd, yeah Todd and I and not to interrupt no, I and mean. Todd and I T- Todd and I were talking about this before the show I don't know why it took me this long to have this epiphany but what is the argument that we've been trying to make on the pro-life front now especially you Steve uh, for ages for years, decades what is that argument it's when life begins mm-hmm. why are why are we trying to make that argument because we are starting from the premise of that murder is wrong. yeah. And so if you can establish when life begins, then you can distinguish between what is and is not a murder. I had this epiphany this week, though. That premise, yeah, we would like to believe that maybe if that premise was set, then if we won the argument, that maybe um, you know people would follow through. If, even if we win the argument of when life begins, scientifically, rhetorically, yep. philosophically... They're just going to change. Murder is okay now because they are a law unto themselves. Yes. Todd and I were talking about that before the show. When you become your own, and I don't want to, I, I'm, I'll let you talk no, to no, with you, Todd so I don't steal your thunder. But when you become your own God, you are, uh, it, it is, you You just control and you are um, lacking any sort of restraint. Yes. You lack any sort of uh, moral framework or framework at all. And you can just do Literally anything exactly at right. all, say anything at all. And that's the troubling part, again, about trying to make this argument. We're making it from the premise that murder is wrong. Even if we win the argument, well, they'll just say, well, murder's not wrong anymore.
2: And Steve, while you were talking, it made me think uh, of something that Hammers, a uh, letter writer's uh, point home all the more i mean she's a woman begrudging in general but more specifically on how this chaos is infecting people's minds remember that story from last week uh, out of baltimore i believe the lesbian woman on a commission for lbgt rights was kicked off the commission because she refused to refer right. to a male who was transgendering himself into a male who was also a rapist he refused she refused on that commission to refer to him as a her and she got kicked off so here's where we are if you recall in the passion of the Christ the way they depicted uh, the devil Transgendered, maybe male, maybe female, carrying around in that one scene a baby with an ancient-looking, decrepit mm-hmm. face. The, the, and, and here we have notions of alpha and omega. Here, this is like if you have a amazing connect the dots picture and you you, you painstakingly pay attention to the order of it, and it ends up in a beautiful picture. The devil here is just like it, it's it's just randomly connecting all the dots in no particular order. we um, Where. Says neither uh, slave, uh, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. It's just some bizarre world uh, version of that, and yep. it's a grotesque caricature. That's that th- those depictions of the devil is what this ultimately this letter writer is talking about. The devil is is so prideful; he's trying to match God's handiwork, and the uh, and but to do it through chaos instead of order. If you
1: walked into a
2: council uh, helmed by Adolf
1: Eichmann and you showed him the birth certificates of all the people at Dachau, would he be moved? If if you brought if you brought, um, a, you know, an a, an actual Jewish person into the room and said, "Mr. Eichmann, are are you sure you, you know what you're doing? Do you think he'd be moved?" I don't think so. If I if I went to a if I went to a slave uh, market 170 years ago in the South, they they didn't know their slaves were people. They they didn't they didn't know they were they had heartbeats. They they didn't know they felt pain when they were whipping them. They couldn't tell. That's what you guys are describing. And see, that's why I was so that's why I've been so I was so prevalent four five six seven eight years ago. Um, and you you guys will recall me saying this. This is why I was such a huge advocate of the personhood strategy throughout most of my career. And I don't talk about it as much anymore. And the reason why, as you heard me say this at the time, we have a limited window to make this case of when does life begin, because the other side is soon going to devolve to the point they won't care. Yes, they won't care. Yep. You guys heard me say that. Yeah, we now. have a window right now to make the argument. What is a when, when does human life begin? Because if we don't win this argument now, the other side will devolve to molek just needs blood. Uh, that's where we're and that and we are there right now. Or that we, have, we have come to that point now where they will not be satiated. There will not be any reasonable argument. This is a death cult. You ask Nancy Pelosi about this and she goes off on some talking point, you know, about Roe versus Wade that was debated in 1978. That's not even relevant to this conversation. It's a death cult. All right. It can't be it can't be uh, uh, negotiated with. Uh, it, it has to just simply be eradicated, defeated. The only thing that beats a bad theology is a good theology. This is a theology of death. And, and, and that's what really, th- that's what the tentacles of this are across the board. And so we are reaching the point, you know, these people that are promoting gender dysphoria, they are well aware of uh, how human chromosomes work. They understand this. They don't care. And that's why we are becoming more explicitly theological on our show because you reach a point where you attempt to come now and reason together. All right? And then you reach a point where it's like, here, you know what, man? Here's We're we'll going to make this even simpler for y'all. Turn or burn, bro. And the clock's ticking, so make a choice.
4: We are getting— But we'd be
1: fools we are, not, not to. The the people of guess.
2: reason and science don't believe in yep. reason exactly and science. Right. So just,
4: yep, that's exactly it's, and right. And ma- yeah, it's not that we think that it's magical. Let the line out of its cage. Just do it. Hey, let's just try that. Let's just try it. And see what happens when we let the lion out of its cage, meaning let's just let's just actually unleash what's actually in God's word. Uh, what could I mean, it's the opposite of a forward pass. I mean, three things can happen. And I think three of them are good uh, when you when you <laughs> actually use the uh, you, you want you use the Bible to make your arguments. That's what we're trying to do, because. Um, debating uh, our best efforts of mice and men uh, or the best laid plans of mice and men those things have been tried and they have all been found wanting so we are at the best place where we could possibly be where it is hey let's just hey let's just talk about theology let's just talk about I the agreed. bible if you reject it That's on you. That's not on me, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is this is the I think this is our version as Christian conservatives. This is we are down. uh, You know, we talk about firing every bullet while we have the opportunity and we have the platform. Um, We're down to the last few bullets in our chamber. And as it is so often, those last few bullets we save for last, it's what we should have been shooting first.
1: No doubt. Imagine a general is like, guys, man. All right, we're down to the end, nitty gritty here, and all I got left's the Death Star. Bring it out, I guess. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't yep. you be like, uh, "You mean you had the Death Star all along? <laughs> why, why did we Why did we see this in the first act? <laughs> I mean, what are we What were we waiting for? This entire t- it's like watching the Rams in the Super Bowl. So this would be this is when they're gonna hand the ball off to Todd Gurley. No, okay. Yeah, I mean, what would be the point of that? Yes. You know, And that's what a lot of the political pragmatism that's infested the church has done. And it's made a lot of people a lot of money and built donor bases. It also presided over the near loss of Western civilization. So, muy bien, and congrats on that. Uh, Barry, Barrett Hubbard in Cedar Rapids, so our neck of the woods there in Iowa, writes, over the last 20 years, the schools have stopped teaching children how to think and started teaching them what to think. Then, what, then when they are exposed to a point of view that conflicts with what they have been taught, to think they don't know how to cope. So they start calling people names, racist, bigot, homophobe, xenophobe, et cetera. By calling them a name like this, they are saying that they are a horrible person. And that provides us an excuse for not having to listen to that conflicting point of view. Barrett, you're right on the money. I saw this when I was on MSNBC, too. And what I found is I I grew up with a dad on a given day. I didn't know if he was going to take me to, to the Burlingame dairy dip there in Wyoming or beat on me. You know, so I learned at a real young age not to not to not to require a lot of positive reinforcement. Now, I learned at a really young age, and we moved all the time, so I was the new kid all the time. So I, I learned really early on that you know not to require a lot of approval from other people uh, to get your validation because you can't really count on it. So um, I, you know when they when they would call me these names, I'd be like, okay, that's great. Anyway, back to the point we're all trying to make. I, I don't care. I mean, I just you know it, it, it made. But most of us collapse oh no i mean uh you know what will uh what will they say you know what will be that first comment on my facebook wall uh so you know let me hide my lamp under a bushel why how many times have you heard me ask you hey when was the last time you went through an airport and someone walked up to you and said hey i'm part of the twitter mob how are you nobody nobody what, 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 what? there's a reason there are so many you know you know uh, do not fears in the scriptures what are we afraid of What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Someone says, no, they don't like you. Okay, well, I guarantee you there's 7 billion people on earth and, and at least one of them, one other of them doesn't like you, you know? So um, that is exactly why they teach the name calling because it's, a, it's, call, it's, a, it's, a, it's called dissembling. And so they call you names to get you off of your game to make you feel like, well, I, I, I really don't want to be insulted so I won't say anything. But here's the thing. When you can counter that, then they have, there's no, like when you can hit the 100-mile-an-hour fastball, there's, there's no, I, you need to know this. I've been in the arena. I'm just telling you, okay? Be of good cheer. There's no change-up. There's no, there's no curve. Mariano Rivera doesn't go to the cutter. There's no slider. No knuckler. They have no other pitch. This is all that it is. Um, it's coercion or, or name-calling. That's it. There is no other reasoning. They aren't holding back some really cool super duper argument that you're like, "Oh man, they had me all along." How did I? Nope. There's none of that, and and we have got to learn to get over the emotion, and get over the name calling. All right, and and because that's the that 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 is how they have taught Aaron's generation to think, and then when they jump to that card and they can't follow up, you see them just. Oh, they don't know where to go after that, guys.
4: Yeah, and I've said before that university culture uh, from... Safe spaces from Ben Shapiro to Antifa is what happens when 14 years of government indoctrination meets adult hormones. But at the end of the day, as you just alluded to, there's really no there there. There are some who are able to, because of their very good uh, propaganda that has been indoctrinated into them, uh, can list off a lot of numbers and a lot of facts and science um, to seemingly support their argument but when your premise uh starts and ends with human nature is basically good there's never going to be any uh, any there there if they can if you can even debate at that level yep. which most of you well most of my generation uh cannot and so they just go to well you just hate thus and such, or so and so, and uh, you are a bigot, and you're a homophobe, and you're a blah, 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 and if you continue to make me feel bad about myself, I might just hit you or act out in some way. That's, that's yeah. really all there is to it. 14 years of government indoctrination plus adult hormones, and this is what you get. This is the, this is the culture that you see on college campuses everywhere.
1: Todd, I'm just going to put you it know, out th- there, man. There, there are too many men of our era desire to be liked, I have been disliked by so many people all my life, and look how I turned out. Being popular (laughs) and liked is way overrated, especially when the people whose approval you desire
2: suck. Well, and... There's a reason why I'm sitting in the chair that I am now with with you gone. It's because we're kindred spirits in that. I, just, I, I, I never wanted to be in a—and we come from different backgrounds, uh, you know, but I, you know, I never wanted to be part of a fraternity or anything like that. I, and there's a reason why all four of my precious princesses, when they were four years old and I was sending them off to school, I said, listen, no matter what, you stand up to the bullies. No matter what. And it's going to be scary and it's going to be hard. But I always have your back. You stand up to them. And I was preparing them for something more than just, you know, a five-year-old Bobby pulling the hair. I was preparing them for uh, when they were teenagers where my oldest are now. And I was preparing them to stand up to adults, too. And they're already having to deal. Overall, my, you know, I have a more rural setting. The the creep of public education is is far more at bay there. But there are moments when they've had to stand and deliver. And I've been proud of them because they have. But you got to start that early. Don't play games.
1: Jeffrey writes, I wonder why people are vehemently against views and policies they were for at one point, depending on the color jersey who was leading the White House. People's opinions change. Is it predominantly based on idolatry or ignorance? Yes. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, that was, that's why I knew we were running up against the break. That's why I knew I could squeeze that one in. I mean, it, it's, it, I, I've mentioned this before, too. We're, we're, we're having a topical reunion uh, here today. <laughs> Uh, Or I'm just out of fresh material uh, here on the Steve Day Show. But when I made the transition from sports to news talk radio, Jeffrey, I thought, man, this is going to be like totally different, you know? And I struggled at first, assuming it was going to be totally different. And then I realized this is actually the same show I was doing all along. Just the names of the teams have changed, you know? So my guy's an adulterer, uh, and your guy is your guy's a terrible person that cannot be forgiven. My guy is King David, so suck it. That's kind of how it rolls, you know. I mean, uh, your guy dresses up in blackface and it's okay. My guy says that one Mexican Mexican judge he's a racist, so suck it. I mean, that's that's you know that's that's what it is. I mean, um, my quarterback gets busted for a DUI on the weekend, and if he threw three interceptions last game, you know we really need tougher standards around here. We're lacking discipline. He threw three touchdowns last game. You know, I really am. I, I really believe in grace, forgiveness, and second chances. I mean, this is. This is human nature, is what it is. You know, and that, this there's a reason why Thomas Jefferson once said, if I could go to heaven, but only with members of a political party, I would rather not go at all. They're among the most corrupting agents ever devised by mankind. Do you guys want to add anything to that before the break?
4: Yeah, I just want to say that we need another, uh, a new party to replace the Republican. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the danger though, isn't it? Because <laughs> we do need a new party, but yet it's going to devolve into the party. The founders that we hated hate.
1: political parties and then one of the first things they did was what?
4: Create political parties. Yeah, because
1: they are necessary vehicles. They're like political yeah. parties are like cars, all right? Yep. You'd have to have one, but understand the minute you drive it off the lot, it depreciates from the moment you put the key in the ignition. Yeah. and you'll eventually have to. Replace That's a good one, ok?
4: That's a good way to think of it.
1: every now and then I might uh, might I might hit one out of the park every now and then. We'll come back more here on the Blaze live and on demand. Stay tuned.
0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day show on the Blaze Radio network. <laughs> Following the truth, no matter where it leads. The Steve Day Show.
1: And a reminder, Hour 2 of uh, the Steve Day Show here today on The Blaze, brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. 24 million of us may have been exposed to home title fraud through a major data breach, and that's a crime that could cost any one of us, our homes, uh, and that could include a mortgage, refi, HELOC. Suddenly, those things are done in your name, and you knew nothing about it because somebody used that breach to take your home from you uh, and refile it under a different name. Maybe liquidate the equity so that it's not there when you go to take advantage of your most valuable investment. Uh, And you won't know until the late notices, the payments, uh, the eviction orders maybe start showing up. Don't let that happen to you. If you've got identity theft, great, you should. uh, But it won't protect you from this and neither will any major banks that you have a mortgage through even if they're the ones whose data was breached. But for pennies a day, home title lock will. They'll protect your home. Find out if you're already a victim for free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register for a free title scan and report. That's a $100 value, but it's free today to our viewers and listeners here at The Blaze. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Hey, I want to mention because I'm going to be ejecting a little bit early today. Uh, and, and so uh, Aaron and Todd will take you home um, for the last 15 minutes. But before I forget, everybody here at The Blaze that coordinated with Aaron, uh, Ron, um, who I actually got a chance to meet while I was down here, uh, who runs things down here for us uh, when we're back in Des Moines every day, but the entire team here that pulled this off uh, on really short notice. So I can come down, uh, and introduce, uh, the unplanned movie to the whole staff here, uh, at HQ, uh, just thank you to all of you guys, you know, and yes, I, the, the, They even got the blue M&M's. I I was really impressed. So uh, (laughs) I just want to say thank you to everybody that put this together the last second. Just uh, Names I don't even know, but I just want to make sure everybody gets acknowledged. And thank you very much.
5: You're welcome.
4: Yeah, and if I could add to that, too, Steve, real quick, I just again, I, and I've maintained this since we came on The Blaze, the uh, tech team and the uh, engineering team and just the, the staff there is just top-notch, impeccable uh, from Ron and Christian who are um, involved with our show every day, uh, Stephen, Sean, um, I know I'm missing others as well. That's mm-hmm. the danger of naming off names. But, yeah, just a really top-notch team. And, I mean, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. If I, if I didn't actually mean that, I wouldn't say anything at all, and I would just nod and smile. But no, I'm getting these, goosebumps. These guys are, these guys are legit. <laughs> They're lit, as the kids say.
2: And I'd like to add that I'm uh, almost entirely technologically incompetent, so if you guys did a bad job over there, I wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> Thanks. All Todd needs to know is, is this on? Is this on? (laughs)
1: That's all he cares about. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Uh, Let's get to at least one more piece of feedback before I've got to eject because I didn't follow my own flight plan. Uh, This is from Cliff Ravenscraft, who says, uh, our pastor had a recent message uh, about Christ telling us to turn the other cheek and to return love for hate. Uh, Your show last week touched on some of these same ideas of how to honor the faith in our response while facing the slings and arrows of a fallen world. I'm very familiar with these passages, but I'm also mindful that uh, Christ took stands against the state, like Roman authority, uh, the church, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and his own disciples, which he rebuked when they were in error. The question I have is, how have you balanced this challenge in your walk with returning love for hate, praying for those who oppose your faith, but at the same time standing against evil when it's attempting to destroy anything that stands in its way? This has been, Cliff, one of the great struggles of my career early on and i think i've only begun to really understand how to walk this tightrope in the last few years and i think it's made me a lot better uh, at what i do and i've, I've yeah, i yeah i and i wish i'd have known and understood these things early in my faith walk when i got a platform i didn't even think to ask these kinds of things you know and that so that's the very first step honestly is the willingness to ask the willingness to be self-aware the willingness to self-examine, you know, um, uh, that, you know, to look at the, be- the, the beam in your own eye, that, that is, I mean, that is step number one. That's why so often when people send us notes, you know, and they're like, hey, you know, I'm wondering, am I really, you know, a hypocrite if I do? Chances are the answer is no if you're willing to ask, okay? If you're willing to even ask yourself, am I going down a bad road, the, the 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 odds are the fact that you're asking indicates you're still pretty sober minded enough. I mean, because when you when you're going down a bad road and you're just bound and determined to go down that road, you won't ask questions like that because you don't want to know the answer, and you won't surround yourself with people. You won't ask for accountability and scrutiny because you just you would rather have confirmation instead. There's a line in the trailer for the last Fox X Men movie uh, where um, Jean Grey goes to see Magneto. And and then the trailer Magneto says, "You didn't come here for for affirmation. Uh, you came here for permission. Meaning she just she would, she just wanted permission to act the way and behave the way she wanted to behave. Okay. So number one, self awareness, self critiquing, um, you know, uh, accountability. I mean, those are those are your first steps. But this is where I really believe motive motive reigns supreme here. And, and you pointed yes. out." Jesus standing against the state. You pointed out Jesus standing even against the church. You pointed out, uh, you know, at the same token, the same Jesus who said, hey, if you want to know who the frauds are, they're these guys, these guys right over there. I'm talking about them, those guys. Right there, those guys. Then went to the cross. And while we were enemies, he died for us. The, the same God who says to the Israelites, hey, you're my urban renewal program. Wipe them out, all of them. is the same God who comes to earth and dies for all of them. And and that's what I think the scriptures mean with when it says God is love. God's motivation is always love. It may be and the act, see, we have a tendency to judge the actions or the motivations by the actions. Yep. Flip it around. Judge the actions by the motivations. When your coach is yelling at you at halftime of a championship game, and it cause he wants you to go out there and suck, okay. It's not because he wants you to go out there and lose. It's not because he wants you to go out there and, and have a moment wasted that you'll regret and remember the rest of your life as a wasted opportunity. I should have, I should have been a contender. That, that's not why he's doing it. He's doing it because he doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to realize your potential. That's why he's trying to get your attention. So we have a tendency to, re, to judge actions uh, to, by motivations rather than motivations by actions. Or did I do that backwards? One way or the other, but the the motivation is always love. We just have a tendency to think that um, we define what love is and if it and, and love do, if love doesn't affirm me um, then then it's not really loving. Well, you know God is love, but love is not God don't confuse those two things okay so all of the things that you mentioned there, Cliff, all of those motivations are love. When Paul says to his, to his, his spiritual progeny, Timothy, to gently rebuke, he, his motivation is love. When he looks at the magician, the false teacher, Simon Bar-Jesus, and says, you're a son of the devil, his motivation is love. When, when he says in Ephesians to use words of love seasoned with salt, his motivation is love. And, and then when he tells the Judaizers in Galatia, if they love circumcision so much, just cut your whole penis off, his motivation is love. See, the motivation is the key, not the intention or the result. You can, you can, you can have terrible motivations and accomplish what the world would say are great things. Um, and, and you can have the greatest of intentions to do right and wreck things even worse than they already were. What's your motivation? Because that gets down to whom do you serve? Am I serving my own desires? Am I, am I angry right now because I want to act out and I want my feelings justified? Or am I angry right now because God said, hey, that jawbone of an ass has got your name on it. Pick it up and, uh, you know, wield it around for a few minutes because some folks kind of, uh, they, they, they need a little correction and you're going to be my vehicle for it. What's your motivation? You guys want to add to that before I, I eject?
4: Uh, I do, but it's probably going to take me longer than um, than you want to stick around. So if you want to go ahead and eject, I can add some after after you have to get uh, get going.
1: Fair enough. Uh, God bless everybody. Have a great weekend. Todd and Aaron will take you home. I'll be back on Monday there in Des Moines, freezing right next to you guys, John 317.
4: See you home, brother. St- thanks, Steve. Uh, safe travels. Yeah, this, this, this conversation about motivations, I don't think we can talk about this uh, quite enough. And as Steve is talking there... Um, I always hearken back to, uh, I think it's First Samuel, when, uh, when Samuel is uh, going to uh, Jesse's house, the, uh, the father of, of King David, looking for uh, anointing, or maybe it's Second Samuel, I, I can't remember for sure, but it is in one of the books of Samuel, looking to anoint the next king of Israel and uh, going and, and looking for who he has been told by God to anoint. And um Jesse brings out all of his big, burly uh brothers of David, and uh, Jesse said there's there's one more, um, And I think Jesse says, uh, "Oh, that's David, he's out tending the flock, and uh, uh essentially it gets to the point where where Samuel says, uh, God or man looks at outward appearance, but God looks." At the heart, and then in in a few years later, David's son Solomon writes in Proverbs four: "Guard your heart with all diligence, because everything you do stems out of that." And that word heart again. We're talking about motivations here, but w- when when that word heart is used, it's it's used for a very specific reason. When you think about our physical heart, of course, aside from the good grace of God, it is the reason why we're able to think it's the reason why we're able to eat, what's the reason why we're able to enjoy or feel pain. It is the whole motivation for why our physical bodies beat and live the way that they do. So we are talking about pretty much the same thing, motivation and heart here. I have found, and I'm not perfect at this because I'm human, I have found the more I think very critically and um, very, very harshly deal Introspectively, with my own motivations, the better off I am as far as my decision making. And should I say that, or should I have this um, opinion? Or, you know, the, should I think about this person this way, or should I say this to this person? Always, always be confident, but always doubt your motivations. Always do that, or a double check. I think that I think that's probably better instead of doubt. Double check your motivations, Todd, for everything that you do. And I think you're going not that you have to be a navel gazer all the time. It doesn't take that long. Just, okay, are my motivations correct in saying this or posting this or doing this? Um, That is, again, we're not talking about navel gazing here. This is actually a really practical, I think, um, way that you can walk with your Lord every moment of every day.
2: Yeah, well, that I, you took the words right out of my mouth. I said our our obligation as Christians is to let God into every moment of every day, and that's to come full circle, turning the other cheek. Uh, sometimes the way to do that, to show the power of God in every moment, is to do exactly that. Uh, you, it's, it's unfair to extrapolate turn the other cheek well if, if my family is about to be you know overrun by uh, fiends uh, to, to be physically harmed, do I sit there and turn? You know, well, no, your job is, uh, is God ordained protector uh, of your family. but there are times when uh, when fighting back uh, physically would just look like an act of desperation. But God is powerful and sovereign in every single moment. and the act of turning the other cheek is an act of immense. Power. It is a sign that uh, whoever the fiend, the usurper on the other side is not who you ultimately bow to. And it is a sign that be not afraid is the code that you live by because the Lord is great and and mighty uh, and the ruler over all things.
4: That is well said. Uh, And now for some uh, whiplash of a transition. I think for the last uh, six minutes, really five or six minutes, Todd, we should play some buy-sell holds since we really didn't get to uh, an official version of that the other day. You ready to go? Go. All righty. We'll start with um, Ross Hartman, who was actually my my, uh, general manager back in the day in student radio. He says the 2020 Super Bowl... Will require teams to go for it on fourth down if they have had more than two three and outs in that half.
2: No. Sell.
4: I wish I could buy that, but we're, yeah, we're going to have to sell. Uh, let's see. Uh, Marshall, another football one. Marshall Cade says Alliance of American Football, which starts this weekend, is more watchable than the Super Bowl. You're going to watch this, Todd? It's going to be on CBS.
2: Uh, no. Sell. Selling. Uh,
4: more no. watchable than, the, you don't think it's going to be more watchable than the Super Bowl?
2: Uh, on a regular basis. No. Okay. No.
4: I actually have high hopes. I I was watching some clips of their preseason games earlier this week, and it actually looks pretty legit. It looks like college football more than NFL, but it looks pretty legit. Um, let's see. Nick says Wapo should change its slogan to "Democracy dies in darkness." So help us turn out the lights. Bye. Yes. Buy. That is a total, hard buy. That is a hard buy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, Jacob Arthur says between 2020 and 2030 the House of Representatives will change hands 5 times.
2: What's the span again? Uh
4: 2020 to 2030. So that's going to be 2022, 2020, yeah.
2: 2020 uh-huh. 2022. yeah. Uh
4: so. So that would be yeah, that would yeah. be changing every every yeah. election. Yeah, that's going to be it. that's hard. Um let's see. Find another one here. <laughs> Okay, uh, Caleb, a lot of football runs this week. I think people want uh, distraction. The hoodie and uh, Tom Brady will retire in the same year. I'm going to sell that. I think that whenever Tom, I'll put it this way. The odds that Tom Brady will retire sooner or be forced to retire sooner than later are greater than the odds that Bill Belichick will want to stop coaching.
2: This isn't an easy one, but I think I'll say buy. I mean, Belichick is not a young man anymore. How old is he? Do you know? Bill Belichick? Yeah.
4: He is 63.
2: Yeah. I had him a little older. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm going to buy. It's it's really going to be tough to start over and just accept. Uh, I mean, unless he wins. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the draft. Maybe that excites him. But just for the sake of argument, I'll say I'll buy it.
4: All righty Susan Moretti says Governor Northam does not resign by the end of February uh, he waits until the end of 2019 and resigns for personal reasons bye I will buy that as well um, by the 2020 this is Justin Redmond uh, by the 2020 election voting day deep fake videos will be so advanced that they will start to fool people and become a major political issue do you know what these are Todd deep fake videos?
2: You, uh, well I didn't know they had a name I think I know what they are but
4: basically the facial swap yeah 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 I guys we already have people following for national Enquirer stories yeah. and um uh what's what what gateway pundit stories um and those are easily spotted at least for most people as fake news people already take those at face value these some of these deep fake videos are really sophisticated yeah. and actually look pretty good so as far as like a major in mass political issue, yeah, total buy. Oh,
2: buy. we had I just happened to see for the first time back to back they were on cable: the Star Wars, the original A New Hope, and Rogue One. And uh, Star Wars, the original 77 includes the alive Peter Cushing and Rogue One inc- includes the digitally remastered uh, Peter Cushing, who has been long dead. And it's amazing the work. They they did that for a whole movie. So, yeah, I think they can do it, um, you know, in like a 10 minute, uh, 10 second snippet that is increasingly damning and can be like basically poorly lit enough to make you just buy in enough.
4: Yep. Uh, last one. Jacob Hibbard says the 2020 Democrat national convention will open with a tribute to Satan asked and
2: answered. I, I wish I didn't even have to pause on that one. That's all you need to know from me. I actually have to pause to think about it.
4: Yep. Uh, just a few moments left. Todd, do you, uh, you have any final thoughts, what you learned this week?
2: Well, uh, Aaron, I, I, We were talking before the show, and last week uh, when we're talking infanticide, uh, I mean, the downfall of civilization is dark and chilling and scary, and you think about your family and how much you love them and uh, the legacy you want to leave behind as somebody who preserved something for them worth having, and it's just—there were moments where you just— you, you, you're you doing everything you can to give it over to the Lord and say, hey, you're my hope. But um, there were some laughs in the last couple yep. of days. We will have some laughs because yep. good gravy. Uh, at
4: least in our brave new world, Todd, if there's a day that I feel like I'm unwilling to work, I don't have to pay any consequences for it. So <laughs> so there's that. Uh, thanks again to all the crew down at the Blaze setting up uh, Steve being down there. We really appreciate it. Until Monday when Steve returns to Des Moines, John John 317.
0: listening to Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.